greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
Well, let me tell you, maggots out there, that we're playing by new rules now. The former champions used to play by the same rules. Well, the rules have changed, and now they're my rules. Sergeant Slaughter's rules. And Hulk Hogan, the immortal slime that you are, you are next on my list. You are next to be destroyed. Hulk Hogan, the immortal slime. WrestleMania 7, you have to face the new World Wrestling Federation champion, Sergeant Slaughter, immortal slime. I, Sergeant Slaughter, will be the champion for a long time. I will be the World Wrestling Federation champion for life. And that's an order. That certainly remains to be seen. Hulk Hogan squaring off against Sergeant Slaughter at WrestleMania 7. Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I'm your host, JP John Paz. And right here on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire, I will break down the eighth episode in this series. And it is all about Sergeant Slaughter and the epic feud between Sergeant Slaughter and the immortal Hulk Hogan, which led us down the road to a great WrestleMania 7. Now, of course, with the Hogan Era podcast, you know by now that it started with Hulkamania, January 23rd, 1984, and it ended when he left the WWF in 1993. I have kind of a, just changed it up a little bit. Originally, I was going to say 92 when he kind of fades out, but we'll stick with 93 because he officially leaves and he's no longer the quote-unquote man, obviously, in wrestling, really, but in the WWF, and they're moving on to what you think is a Bret Hart era, but it kind of gets overshadowed a little bit as they try to make it a Lex Luger era. That doesn't work. They have Yokozuna as a heel champion with Bret chasing. So as we know, that era and that period, not as well sought after well thought of and well known as the hogan era which is the golden era of wrestling to a lot of people so obviously as we always say without hogan there would be no golden era there would be no hogan era obviously and he is kind of the man he is basically the babe ruth of wrestling he is the god of wrestling and today we're going to focus in like i said on sergeant slaughter so before want to really delve into it you got to think about the backstory just a little bit so wrestlemania 6 happens and ultimate warrior is the world champion we talked about that in a previous episode he beats the hulkster clean but is he really you know the star they thought that the hogan era is going to go from 84 to 90 and boom as the 90s start warrior is going to take over and probably take them to the next six years and then kind of see where you go from there but it was not to be Warrior didn't have the staying power of the Hulkster. And that's not a knock on Warrior because not a lot of other people do have that staying power. I mean, look at Steve Austin and his huge era, his huge boom in the business. Injuries and stuff did settle, uh, saddle him and did kind of sideline him a bit and did kind of kill the era. But if you think about it, he's one of the biggest stars of all time. People compare him to Hulk. Hulk's run just in WWF alone. Is twice as long as Austin's run on top in the WWF. So crazy to think that 
you know, people put them in the same category. I do not. I put Hogan just a step above. Both of them I put on my Mount Rushmore because, I mean, Austin was huge business and kind of really saved the WBF. And really, if you think about it, put WCW out of business because of the on the back of Steve Austin and, and you know, that storyline with Vince and everything that people were looking for in that attitude era. But it was really half the time of Hogan's run during the Hogan era. So if you think about it, it's like, wow, not a lot of people can do what Hogan did. That's why there hasn't really been a Hogan since Hogan. You know what I mean? Before him, you had the Bruno San Martinos of the world, and they were big time. I mean, they were huge, but they weren't the global icon, the global superstar that a guy like Hogan was. I mean, he was mainstream. He was everywhere. He was just the man. So if you think about it, okay, you got the Hulk. Then after that, what can we do? Who's the next star we can create? They tried to do that with the Warrior. Didn't quite work out as much. They bring Hogan, not really essentially back, but they bring him back to the forefront and they kind of are leading him down back to the path of the main event as we head into WrestleMania seven. So warrior holds a title for 293 days, which is a nice feat. But back then they were definitely planning on and thinking on the warrior holding the title for many, many years. I think, because if you look at the blueprint of it, Bruno holds a title for 2000 days. And the second run was a thousand days. Pedro Morales held it for a thousand days. Backlund held it for over well over a thousand days. Hogan holds it for almost 1,500 days. So just the thought process and the really business model of Vince and Vince Sr. was that the babyface was going to be champ for a while and you just kind of carry his back and have all these heel challengers get deflected and, and defeated by him and he had this dominant run. And it seemed to work you know, very, very well for many years, but that wasn't going to be with Warrior because he didn't quite have the staying power. Over Lake Rover, huge star. Everyone still remembers him today. They're still doing two documentaries about him, uh, literally coming out during the same week. I mean, he's still a huge star with enormous, enormous appeal and popularity, but he just wasn't Hogan. Like Bret Hart found out and Shawn Michaels and everybody else, maybe but Steve Austin and maybe but The Rock, has to find out that, okay, you might get to a certain point, but you're not going to get to that Hogan level. Even seen it to a certain point. Super popular, you could say very popular for, for the day, but he never got to that Hogan level. Maybe only Austin did, if you think about it. Even Rock got even more super popular kind of after the business. Even though he's a huge star, I don't even put him on the Austin level put him just a step below him and two steps below Hogan. But anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent here. So WrestleMania six happens warriors, the champion, but Hey, Sergeant Slaughter has been in the AWA for a few years. He's been away from the WWF. He hasn't been around, but he is a huge star because of GI Joe. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I still have a bunch of my GI Joes. I make sure that I always try to keep him when I sold a bunch. I know I sold slaughter for a decent amount of money. He had that, that triple T tank. I sold for a decent a chunk of change there. So I know it's worth a, a ton of money. And I know he's just so popular from GI Joe and GI Joe, the movie and the, the series is just unbelievable with people our age and kids, especially in the eighties GI Joe was huge. It was massive. So when they make an LJ and a slaughter, it's his GI Joe figure. So it's, pretty cool when you kind of think about it and obviously he'll come back to wf and he'll get his own hasbro figure and wf figures and so on and so forth but to think that vince mcmahon sees a guy making money somewhere else not that he becomes jealous but you know he's thinking like man i want some of that action i want him to be making money here or or you know he might get bitter at the guy saying like man this guy making his money elsewhere i wanted him here and i want to split the profits but he's also thinking like the Roddy Piper syndrome and like the Jesse Ventura syndrome, like, man, 
this guy's so popular elsewhere. I want to bring him back and get a bit of a rub off of that and get those fans and get, you know, they live and predator and everything else. I want to get and get those fans and those people looking upon my show. Even when Ventura was the mayor, it's like, Oh my God, this guy, excuse me, the governor, uh, obviously the governor of Minnesota, like, Oh my God, it's mainstream attention, mainstream appeal. I want to steal that audience. So really in essence, it's like, okay, I want to take that GI Joe audience that is so massive and so big. And they're so into Sergeant Slaughter. I want to take them and bring them to the WWF and show them that we have this other national global star. So if you think about Slaughter, just in general, the comic-con fan like okay wrestling is huge at comic-cons also so is pop culture so is the cartoons so is the comic books that's where slaughter fits in and he's a wrestler so he's like the best of both worlds it's just uh, crazy to think like wow like he's the perfect comic-con guy if you think about it with slaughter it's like you get the gi joe fans you get the wrestling fans just kind of think of him on on a personal level i think that that's great for sarge so Sort sees the success of WBF. He's pretty much AWA is going away. It's dying out. Vern's going to close down shop pretty soon. And he sends a letter as the story goes. Slaughter sends a letter to Nathan Man saying that he loved WrestleMania 6 and that he was interested in returning. Now, Slaughter and Vince apparently didn't have a big falling out as far as what I've heard. Who knows really going on behind the scenes? But he does bring him back with open arms. And they have a great relationship for many, many years. The Slaughter worked backstage for him, my God, until uh, 2000s or so. So, I mean, he's been with the, with the WWF for a very, very long time. And he was on a Legends deal. And then he was in uh, the house on, on the network, the Legends house. So, I mean, Slaughter is a, a huge legend that they definitely hold near and dear. And they definitely always has a great relationship with the WWF. But at this point, it's like, okay, Vince is like, you want to return? Well, we kind of need a heel. And, oh, yeah, by the way, your new gimmick is going to be that you're kind of turning on the United States. And you may be accepting of, like, Nikolai Volkov and the Russians. And, oh, by the way, you're going to be anti-American. And you're going to be this really, really mean, horrible gimmick, which will eventually be an Iraqi sympathizer and an Iraqi turn, an American turncoat. And just really be all about this Iraqi Gulf war. So as he comes in, he's about to play this heel. It's funny. Like, man, Joe, Joe, GI Joe, red, white, and blue. Everyone knows him. USA, everything throughout his career. I know he did play a heel for a while. A damn good one too, as a, as a vicious drill sergeant too, in the NWA and stuff. But I think as GI Joe gets more popular, everyone was thinking like, okay, he's going to come back. He's going to be this true blue baby face, like hacksaw, like Hogan, but no, Vince wants him as a seal and he embraces this role. I mean, man, this is controversial. They would never in a million years be able to get away with this today. They would never in a million years be able to do this type of heel gimmick today. Man, just think about it. It's crazy. It's like, whoa, like that's intense. Like, whoa, that's personal. He is definitely definitely going to trigger some sort of crazy reaction he does he is absolutely hated when he returns the august 1990 invasion of kuwait by the iraqis i mean just triggered a political crisis that would really lead to the 1991 gulf war and kuwait gets freed obviously as you know your history they get freed by the u.s-led military coalition and vince has the decision okay we're just going to make slaughter support the iraqi cause and it's not really for political reasons, so to speak, even though it kind of is. It's much more for the fact that Slaughter liked 
the brutality and that he liked the government and how they were brutal towards the U.S. regime. And Slaughter was basically saying that the U.S. had become soft and the U.S. had become weak. So it's just crazy. It's like, wow, like, damn, like that's hitting home big time. And it's one of those things that's like that is so almost out of bounds in certain aspects in wrestling or you would think out of bounds in certain aspects of wrestling. To me, I just love it. I thought like, oh, my God, I hate this guy, even though he was my hero, even though he's my favorite G.I. Joe. I was like, man, I hate this guy. He completely turned on American and Iraq. He supports Iraq and he's calling us weak and soft and 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 he likes the way that they brutally handle things. And man, it was so controversial to say the least. It was uh it was a heat magnet. It, it was awesome heel gimmick, and he was so true to the cause. You know what I mean? He was so into it. It's just I don't know, to me, it was like, wow, it's nuts how he got so into the character, but you gotta love it. Absolutely gotta love, it. especially looking back. It's like, man, you needed that big time heel and the guy that did not care, did not want to get liked and he was that guy. I mean, he aligns himself with the, of course, kayfabe Iraqi military general, General Adnan, who is uh, kind of an old rival there from the, the AWA, if you think about it. But he enters this feud eventually with a babyface, Nikolai Volkov, which is interesting because the Russian that turns American. And now you've got the American that almost turns Iraqi sympathizer. Well, not almost. He does. I mean, this American turncoat. So the uh, odds have changed you know the tables have turned and you've got slaughter being a heel and you see basically the build-up of this character so we start with survivor series and a pretty weird team of the alliance nikolai volkov tito santana and the bushwhackers as they're going to defeat the mercenary sergeant slaughter boris zukov and the orient express so as part of this kind of character change slaughter began using really the camel clutch as one of his finishers which of course is Iron Cheek's old move, but you kind of uh, really equate that with being a great heel finisher. And I thought that was great to just kind of incorporate that as well. Kind of change the character a little bit, change the finisher up. I did like that. thought that was very, very cool. Uh, He would wear the Arab headdresses to the ring, which was pretty shocking. And and you look at Slaughter like you would never in a million years thought you'd see that from G.I. Joe, Sergeant Slaughter. I mean, my God. And then he has himself photographed with Saddam Hussein which is uh, obviously airbrushed or whatever you want to call it. It's uh, photoshopped. It's not real. But he has pictures of himself with Stan Hussein. So they're going full bore with this gimmick. I mean, they're going absolutely crazy. Tito Santana ends up winning that match. Basically, Slaughter gets DQ'd. So he keeps his heel character going strong. Still, which is smart and good of them, it's giving him a big push. Even though he lost, he could still stay strong. Tito goes on to that match of survival, teaming up with Hogan and Warrior. Hogan and Warrior end up winning the match, but there's no altercations with warrior and slaughter as of yet and there's no altercations with hogan and slaughter as of yet so you kind of keep them out of there with also kind of really building up this heel heat of like wow this iraqi sympathizer sergeant lord does not care about anything will get dq'd does he even care about winning i mean you just think like this guy something off with slaughter you know this guy's sick he's debolical he's demented so as he's going through here he infamously adopts a move where he would grind the tip of his knuckles into the opponent's temple, which was another move that was like, okay, now he's really going full bore into the heel thing. Cause some guys, they noticed when they go heel, 
they still use face-like moves. And I feel like Slaughter did a great thing with, the, you know, the, the knuckles to the temple and the camel clutch of turning the character and changing it completely and really embracing this heel turn. So it was also reported by, you know, many numerous outlets, including a lot of guys I talked to at WBF, including J.J. Dillon, who was saying that this was true, that he really kind of got over as a heel maybe too much. And that WB excuse me, WBF at that point, the, the headquarters, the high tower there in Connecticut was getting numerous death threats because of him portraying a turncoat and that he really couldn't go anywhere in public without wearing a bulletproof vest. And I've interviewed Slaughter before and he has said that. So just the food for thought, like, wow, if you really want to invest into the angle and you really want to play a heel, you better be careful outside of the ring because these people are going to take it as a shoot and they're really going to start to hate you. So he embraced this role and he, man, he kept kayfabe. It's crazy. So he was surrounded by security at all times. And according to Slaughter, Vince asked him to burn the American flag. What? But Slaughter refused to do it. So even Vince wanted to go a little overboard with burning the American flag. Slaughter refused to do it. But Slaughter did, of course, eventually, uh, as he suggested, he would burn Hulk Hogan's shirt instead. Really cool stuff there as we're kind of building this feud, but as 1990 would come to an end, Slaughter began challenging for the WWF championship that had been held, like I mentioned, by Ultimate Warrior since WrestleMania 6. Slaughter would get his chance at the WWF World Title at Royal Rumble 1991. Of course, that's January, just a few days after the Gulf War campaign had begun. So, man, what a whirlwind. If you're WWF, it's like you want to stay social, you want to stay topical, you want to stay right where the mainstream is going to hit. Well, might as well give Slaughter the world title and have him be an Iraqi sympathizer during the beginning and the start and the height of the Gulf War in 1991. Just nuts to think about that. They would never in a million years be able to do that today. Look at Muhammad Hassan back in 05 with six getting canceled because of the London bombings and all that stuff and the terrorist stuff. I mean, you just can't get away with that. Even 15 years ago, can't get away with it, but they got away with it here in 91 and slaughter was hated big time. So Sergeant slaughter defeats the ultimate warrior. When the macho King, Randy Savage runs down and nails warrior right in the head with his Royal scepter. Thus the Sergeant slaughter becoming the 13th wbf world heavyweight champion and if you think about it it's like wow that was shocking you didn't expect it i definitely didn't expect it i thought that for sure warrior savage would be the wbf world title match at wrestlemania that year but no now we have a double main event as hulk hogan wins the 1991 royal rumble and challenges sergeant slaughter for the heavyweight championship of the world but sergeant slaughter in his victory in his celebration he does desecrate an american flag it's a bit off screen but he does desecrate it as part of the victory celebration hogan of course mr usa mr true blue mr white me babyface himself is just furious at this and demands a match against slaughter at wrestlemania 7 in los angeles california slaughter accepts and we get a huge double main event. I love the poster, too, of Hogan and Slaughter staring at each other. Hogan, of course, in his USA bandana, Slaughter with the world title over the shoulder, and, of course, with the army fatigues on, staring down Hogan. Just one of the greatest posters ever. I love that poster. I got to hang it up on my wall. I absolutely think it's one of my favorites. You get double main event, though. You got the retirement match of Warrior and Savage, and then you get Hogan, Slaughter in the main event. 
great card. It's made basically a two-match show. There's some other great matches in there. The Hard Foundation, the Nasty Boys, the Rockers against Haku and Barbarian. Some really good stuff. I like Boss Man and Perfect. There's some great stuff there, but really two-match show with kind of Savage and Warrior Steel on the show being one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. But, man, there was so much interest and so much intrigue with the Hogan-Slaughter match. Because of the Gulf War, really, and because of Slaughter being Mr. USA, Mr. G.I. Joe, and being a, the Iraqi sympathizer and being the turncoat, it's just absolutely crazy to think that what was going on here with this feud. So if you go back, and yes, they do have a history of Hogan and Slaughter, all the way dating back to 1980, excuse me, 1982, and they wrestled a lot in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Really, the first time that the BF they were in a match together was April 30th, 1984. It was a $50,000 18-man battle royal, which was won by Andre the Giant. Fast forward to the next time that they're going to wrestle, and this is all the way on the build-up to WrestleMania 7. It's going to be a dark match, part of a WrestleMania, excuse me, wrestling challenge. 236 in Fort Myers, Florida. Hogan, of, of course, on February 19th is going to defeat Sergeant Slaughter, this is really the first match back since New Japan Pro Wrestling between these two, which is crazy. So 1991, basically nine or ten years in between, and Hogan defeats him by DQ. They also have a dark match on March 12, 1991, and Hogan wins that one by DQ. That's also part of a wrestling challenge taping in Biloxi, Mississippi. So that is basically the lead-up pretty much to WrestleMania seven as we're kind of getting into it and everyone knows wrestlemania 7 originally was supposed to be and and promoted as such as wrestlemania 7 was originally scheduled to be held at the los angeles memorial coliseum and it was really going to be they thought about a hundred thousand people i think the year before was about sixty-eight thousand people or so in the sky dome in toronto canada then they wanted up the game and doing at the memorial coliseum and see if they can get a hundred thousand people there but they did not. They decided to move the event to the adjacent Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. Instead, the WWF stated reason for the venue change that it had security concerns in the wake of Sergeant Slaughter's portrayal of the Iraqi sympathizer during the Gulf War. This has been dismissed by a few people. I know Slam in Canada kind of dismisses it. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has dismissed this claim, indicating that only basically 15,000 tickets were sold and that they kind of sold... Um, or they kind of switched the venue really because the seats weren't selling as well. It's also been reported that there was no tickets refund at all. And, you know, the event itself held about 16,000 people around um, comps were believed to fill in whatever wasn't sold ticket wise, but they obviously moved from a huge outdoor Coliseum to the indoor sports arena. So, I mean, that's going to change things. There was an insane crowd. They were super into it. The USA stuff is everywhere. You know, they, they got the WrestleMania stuff with the, the stars and stripes everywhere. I mean, they were really pumping up the superstars and stripes forever theme that was WrestleMania 7. When you think about what was going on at that point, they have said that both things, like Bruce Pritchard has said both things right. J.J. Dillon told me both things were correct. Like, yes, maybe ticket sales weren't what they thought they were going to be. They were both said to me it wasn't going to be as low as maybe Meltzer was kind of saying, oh, it wasn't, wasn't going to be. You know, 100,000, obviously, but it wasn't going to be anywhere low as far as like 10,000, 11,000, that range. It was going to be higher. But Bruce and J.J. Dillon have told me and Stephen Slaughter has said maybe they moved 
out out of there because it wasn't selling as well but there was definite uh, security concerns it was kind of a mixed bag so maybe tickets weren't selling a hundred thousand dollars or hundred people hundred thousand people worth but there was definitely security concerns considering that the headquarters were getting death threats and sergeant slaughter was getting death threats and his family was getting death threats and he's wearing bulletproof vests and he's walking around with security so there was no way that you can kind of I don't know, really guarantee the uh, the safety of everyone at the arena and especially the safety of Sergeant Slaughter if you have a, a proposed uh, death threat or somebody's going to think um, that they could pull something off. It was easier to do, less to um, worry about security or really more to worry about security-wise in the big outdoor coliseum rather than the indoor arena so i think both things are probably true in that essence so the official attendance was 16,158 at the los angeles memorial coliseum the superstars and stripes forever is definitely remembered because of the american patriotism in the wake of the gulf war the american flags were hung all over the arena and the ring aprons the banners everything was red white and blue the basis, of course, and, and the real selling point of the event was Hulk Hogan. And, of course, his feud with Sergeant Slaughter over the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Of course, a very good match, good brawl. The crowd is insane at first. They kind of die down a little bit, but get back into it towards the finish. Hogan ends up winning a little bit of blood involved, a little bit of a, a crazy match involved. Really good brawl, just not as good, I don't think, as Warrior and Savage, which was all-timer epic epic match but still a great match and probably second best match on the show to me still loved it great stuff and hogan goes over and he is the new wbf world heavyweight champion ending sergeant slaughter's run at just a few months so if you think about where wbf is at this point no longer even though warrior defeats savage in the retirement match no longer is warrior the guy in vince's eyes so they put the guy in the mantle and the world heavyweight title Back on to Hogan, cementing him as the man officially once again. So it's interesting to think, okay, is this feud over? What's going to happen here? It is not. Slaughter, and which is awesome because you get this afterwards in such a cool angle because it's like, okay, the baby face wins and that's the end of it. But you find out in the you know weeks after this and everything else leading after it's on Superstars and Wrestling Challenge and obviously Coliseum Video. Hogan wins, but backstage, as he's being interviewed over his victory over Slaughter, Slaughter attacks Hogan, throws a fireball in his face, and basically signifies this means war. They're going to have a bunch of Desert Storm matches, which are really no DQ matches, which are wild brawls, and they're great. And I love them. And I think that they're such a good underrated match. Just talking to my buddy the other day, his favorite match, one, or he said top five. So one of his favorite matches of all time is Hogan versus Slaughter at MSG. And it's a, a Desert Storm match. It is awesome. Anybody that's seen it, go out of your way. If it's on YouTube, it's, if it's I don't even know if it's on Peacock. I know it's somewhere on YouTube, but man, it's awesome. I think it's broken up into two parts on YouTube, but it's the MSG one. And I absolutely love that match. It's just, excellent excellent stuff so you get hogan winning at wrestlemania 7 you get the fireball afterwards backstage the feud is not over it's still you know hot and heavy it's still going and it's going to be hogan slaughter at all the house shows and at all the all the little big events all around the country in a desert storm match they had desert storm matches in rosemont they had him in fresno they had him in sacramento they had him in tampa they had him in san fran and they had him in richfield ohio as well 
really cool to think that this feud kind of went everywhere and where they didn't have desert storm matches you know they had other matches and just one-on-one matches they had it in philly twice they had chicago boston minneapolis milwaukee erie wheeling auburn hills rockford quebec and Hogan wins most of those matches and even wins one in West Palm Beach. They even have some matches where Slaughter goes over via DQ to keep him strong in Landover, Albuquerque, San Fran, Atlanta, West Palm Beach, and Orlando. So it's just cool to think that this feud's going all over the place. Usually Hogan's winning a lot by DQ. Then you got Savage winning a few by DQ. Just keep the feud strong. And then we kind of go into the more of the Desert Storm matches, which are awesome, which I love. There's a taping in Toronto, Ontario, where Slaughter beats Hogan by DQ on April 21st, 1991. Then we go to the infamous MSG show. April 22nd, 1991, Sergeant Slaughter defeats Hulk Hogan by DQ there at MSG. Then a few days later in England, in London, England, of course, Hogan defeats Slaughter at the UK Rampage 91 Tour. It's a good match there, and Hogan retains his title there. Then here we go to my friends, really probably one of his favorite matches of all time, one of mine as well, just awesome. Back on 6-16-1991, we get Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter. He defeats him in the Desert Storm match awesome stuff they also have one not that later on also in june at the la sports coliseum the arena basically the wrestlemania rematch in the same venue so it's very cool to see there and hogan defeats slaughter there so the desert storm matches are cool and they're really selling well all over the country they're really doing well they're actually going to the venue only three months later where they just had WrestleMania and having the same match. You could tell the match is over. If you're able to go back to the same venue three months later, obviously with a different stipulation, but have the same feud going on. Very, very cool stuff. June 30th, 1991 with special guest referee, Macho Man, Randy Savage, who's supposed to be retired at this point, but he's okay to ref Hogan and Jim Duggan defeat Colonel Mustafa and Sergeant Slaughter. Interesting thing is here, Colonel Mustafa is, of course, the returning Iron Cheek, who is now christened from General Adnan and Sergeant Slaughter as Colonel Mustafa. So we're going to build up and we're going to lead and we're going to continue on with the Hogan Slaughter feud in July in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Hogan defeats Slaughter July 8th, that is. Then we have a WrestleFest 91, which is a great Calcium video, great tape. 7-14-91, special guest referee again, Macho Man Randy Savage, as Hulk Hogan defeats Sergeant Slaughter in St. Louis, Missouri. Then we go to Denver, Colorado. Same match, Savage referee, Hogan wins. Same match done in New Haven, Connecticut, with Savage as the referee, Hogan wins. Then we take the match to Worcester, and I think it's actually, I always call it, Worcester, but I actually think it's Worcester. If I remember correctly from my good buddy uh, in Massachusetts, I think it's actually Worcester, Mass. I want to call it Worcester, but I believe it's Worcester, and I'm almost 100% sure it's Worcester because uh, someone has told me that, but Hulk Hogan defeats Sergeant Slaughter in Worcester, Mass at the WWF SummerSlam Spectacular, and he wins via DQ. Match goes about seven minutes there. Of course, we get another Desert Storm match in Indianapolis, Indiana in August. We get a special guest referee again of Macho Man in Landover, Maryland. Hogan defeats Slaughter there. 
then in August of 91, building up and leading into SummerSlam 91, Hogan will defeat Slaughter from the Maple Leafs Garden in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Then, of course, we get the match made in heaven, the match made in hell, two-on-three handicap match with special guest referee Sid Justice, Hulk Hogan, and the Ultimate Warrior defeat the Triangle of Terror, known as Colonel Mustafa, General Adnan, and Sergeant Slaughter. That match goes about 13 minutes. Interesting thing here is, after the match is over, Ultimate Warrior gets fired immediately after for basically wanting more money. They kind of, you know, things go awry here, big time. I mean, if you think about backstage, you think you got two top baby faces in Hogan, a warrior. One of them wants more money. One of them's gone. Hogan here after this is going to be looking for some new opponents, which eventually is going to be the Undertaker and the Nature Boy Ric Flair as he comes in. But we kind of see a new era in Hogan, maybe a little shift in Hogan. They're starting to lose some steam here in the the WWF. Just overall, feel like this is kind of maybe the end of an era here for Hogan as he starts to really kind of wind it down. I know he loses to Undertaker, and then he at Survivor Series 1991, then this Tuesday in Texas, he wins the title back. And then we get the whole controversy there with them giving up the title and taking it back because of the way both men won the title. And you give it up for grabs at Royal Rumble 92, every man for themselves. And that's really the last match that Hogan and Slaughter are going to be in together as they're both in the Royal Rumble match, which is eventually won by, of course, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Hogan's eliminated with Sid. We get Sid and Hogan feuding after that and so on and so forth. There's also just a bunch of stuff at the end of the Hogan era where the Mega Maniacs are fighting Money, Inc. in a bunch of tag matches, and Sergeant Slaughter is the babyface, and he's the referee. And, you know, he just had the thing from 92 where he wanted his country back, and he turns babyface. So it's really one of those things where, yes, he was this nasty heel, but he begs it, the fans he begs the country he does all these vignettes where he wants his country back and never sees the heights of the wbf title again goes right to the mid card pretty much as a baby face sergeant slaughter but always remembered fondly and always did some things after that of course you remember the attitude error feud with triple h and so on and so forth with a bunch of different appearances over the years but really in the hogan era Royal Rumble 92 is kind of the last big appearance for him and the last really any semblance of a feud with Hogan and Slaughter. It kind of ended to me, ended at the match made in heaven, match made in hell in SummerSlam 1991. So to me, great food, super memorable. One of those things that plugs at the heartstrings and in political wise, it wasn't politically correct to really do the feud. It was really one of those things where it's like, wow, I can't believe Vince went there. Like what a shocking kind of turn of events to go there but it was awesome and much needed and really kind of shot in the arm for a little bit in 91 to do that crazy feud and really get him over as a super heel the only other thing that i want to mention and i I gotta just point this out before we kind of head towards the finish here is that the SummerSlam main event that we never saw and it's been speculated online and it's been proven to be correct that it was supposed to be Hogan versus Slaughter one-on-one in a Desert Storm match. And that's why they kind of did all those house show matches. And they did the awesome MSG match and the great match at the LA Sports Arena. It was all building up to SummerSlam. You're going to have this big blow-off of the feud. And they're going to have this no-DQ Desert Storm match. But it wasn't meant to be the last minute. For whatever reason, they kind of changed things around. Originally, they were going to have Ultimate Warrior against either Undertaker or against Jake the Snake Roberts. And then one-on-one, it was going to be... 
Hogan versus Slaughter in Desert Storm. So it's one of those things just to throw out there. It's like, wow, that would have been awesome. Like the tag, well, really handicapped tag team match at SummerSlam 91 is a bit uh, disappointing, I guess to say the least. It's not a great match. And what we've seen and what we've experienced, if you go anything by the MSG Desert Storm match, they have awesome chemistry and that feud is awesome. And that would have been a great match and would have been a great kind of closure to SummerSlam to go in addition to the match made in heaven of Macho Man marrying Elizabeth. So I guess that wasn't meant to be. I wish it was. It would have been cool too, because then maybe Warrior wouldn't have been able to demand money and then get fired and then get brought back and then get fired again and so on and so forth. But to me, damn it, what a missed opportunity there. That would have been cool as hell to see the Desert Storm match main event SummerSlam 91 because Hogan and Slaughter had great chemistry. And in that match, I mean, it was just an awesome match. Go back and watch that MSG match. I'm begging you. It's awesome. And that should have been the main event of SummerSlam 91. But that's it this week for the Hogan Era podcast. What a great feud Hogan and Slaughter was. Obviously, we'll be back here next week for another edition. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. You can check out the website, tmptempire.com, and of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Also, go to my T Public store, tpublic.com. Got a bunch of stuff. Type in Two Man Power Trip or just type in TMP. And you'll see a bunch of awesome shirts on there as well. So I'd like to thank everybody out there for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. See you next week, folks. The time is getting closer to the Super Summer Sizzler in the Big Apple. I'm talking about SummerSlam. And in that gigantic main event at SummerSlam, it's going to be Sergeant Slaughter, General Abdon, and Colonel Mustafa in a handicap match facing the team of the Ultimate Warriors. I recognize this music. Yeah, I bet you do. each other. What a tremendous matchup. How do you know you can trust him in SummerSlam? The time is growing closer to the big one at SummerSlam. The handicapped tag team bout when Sergeant Slaughter and company will be facing the two of you. And Holt, I think he said it best when he said this would be a match made in hell. Well, you know something mean, Gene. Sergeant Slaughter hit the nail on the head when he said this was going to be the match made in hell, brother, because me and the Ultimate Warrior have been to hell and back again with Sergeant Slaughter. But you know something, Sergeant Slaughter, with you, General Adnan, and Mustafa in your corner, you're going to have to face the Ultimate One, Hulk Hogan, and all my Hulkamaniacs out there, brother. And as far as me and the Ultimate Warrior are concerned, our armies are going to wipe you out. How about it, Ultimate One? The visions of the ultimate challenge one day ago, Hulk Hogan, remind me 
The call's there where Hunter did any hell. Sergeant Slaughter and his troops have walked through. Since that day, since that great battle, Hulk Hogan, your Hulkamaniacs have watched my warriors, and my warriors have returned the favor just the same. I say we look to the same gods and send the troops in. <laughs> well, you know, the way it stands, Mean Gene, with the ultimate warrior, Hulk Hogan, and all the warriors and all the Hulkamaniacs, this looks like they're the ones that are going to be handicapped. And as far as our armies are concerned, even the United Nations couldn't stop us from wiping out his troops, big man. Wait a minute, Hulk Hogan. Let me remind you about the presence of a man who indeed is ever as powerful as the United Nations, the special guest referee at SummerSlam, Sid Chester. Well, now this will be most interesting. I'm on the edge of my seat right now. Now, this man obviously is not going to be favoring Sergeant Slaughter. At least that's what he said. He's going to favor these two. There's a nice start there with those guys. Whoa, yeah! There we go! Uh, the favoritism here. Don't judge a book by its cover. I recall recently when you came out and talked to Sergeant Slaughter and company, and they tried to persuade you to be part of the Corps of Destruction, Sergeant Slaughter's Corps of Destruction, General Adnan, Colonel Mustafa, and Sergeant Slaughter himself. At the conclusion of that interview, you emphatically denied that you would have any association with Sergeant Slaughter's Corps of Destruction. However, what I've seen here this week this may not be a handicap match in SummerSlam after all. What are you trying to insinuate, little man? That I might be partial to this man who I might believe in. I might not. And this man who shows me intensity almost at the same level as said justice. But everybody can be assured of one thing. In SummerSlam, I will be there for one reason and one reason only. Just see that justice is silent. Justice will be served, but just how will justice be served? Whoa, I don't know. I don't know either. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com. And buy a shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.
Yeah.